My 7 Chakras, episode 40. There is only one success to be able to live your life in your own way. And truthfully, I can't think of any better way to paraphrase what personal empowerment is all about. The 7 Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head, for thousands of years. This ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. Rise and grind action takers, AJ here and you are listening to My 7 Chakras, your source for information, stories and ideas that will change the way you look at the world and today I am stoked to bring you our featured guest, Dr. John McGrail. So John, are you ready to inspire? I am AJ, thank you. Awesome. So John McGrail, PhD is a renowned author, speaker and leading media expert in the field of self-improvement and spirituality. His writing and expertise have been featured in many major print and online publications and on radio and television programs. His new book, The Synthesis Effect, Your Direct Paths to Personal Power and Transformation, is receiving rave reviews and has introduced his synthesis process to thousands of people around the world. So, John, I've given our action takers a short intro. So, take a minute and tell us more about yourself. Well, thank you. As, as you mentioned, I, I do have a private uh, clinical practice where I help people one-on-one, uh, clients from around the world, uh, people that I see personally in, in Los Angeles, which is where I'm based, and uh, through the miracle and magic of technology, just as we're having this conversation, mm-hmm. I work with people virtually on every continent and also do classes and seminars. And it's, it's really about personal empowerment and, and helping people uh, tap into the inner resources that they may not know they have, but have. And I've been fortunate uh, in that I've had a variety of very interesting and very stimulating careers, from military and commercial aviation to uh, a career for for many years as a working actor and uh, trainer. And all of the experiences that I accumulated came together at one critical point in life, which I'm sure we'll get to later, uh, and that led me to the work I do today. And it's just delightful. I look forward to each and every day. And my motto and our catchphrase for our company is life is supposed to be fun. That's rule number one. And really, that's what I'm all about is helping people find their fun. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks a lot for that amazing introduction. Before we actually begin our show, I have one small request. Our guests usually help us kickstart each episode with a dose of of inspiration. So are you ready for that? I am. So John, what is your favorite inspirational quote and give us one example of how you apply this quote to your everyday life. Well, I think my favorite inspirational quote, and it is supported by others, uh, was one um, credited to Mr. Christopher Morley. And he said, there is only one success to be able to live your life in your own way. And truthfully, I can't think of any better way to paraphrase what personal empowerment is all about. In my case, uh, as I mentioned, I've had the good fortune of having a variety of of very interesting, exciting careers. And the reason I was able to do that is because in spite of many insecurities I had when I was a younger man, and we will get to that, I've always been inspired or brave enough to live my life the way I want to and not according to way, the way other people think that maybe I should. And I find with my clients and seminar students, workshop students, uh, and readers that so many of us try to fit ourselves into someone else's vision or live up to someone else's expectations for how we should live our lives. And it, it never works. It always causes pain and discord. And so when you learn to live your life in your own way, you can be truly successful, whatever that means to you. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you that especially when children are growing, uh, sometimes parents tell them that you need to take this track or this track, you know, get into engineering or maybe medical. And what happens in the process is the child's mind is sort of uh, guided towards one particular direction. But sometimes the child might want to be a painter 
or an artist and not fit into somebody else's vision or expectations as you mentioned it but i completely agree that brave braveness or to have courage is not easy but once a person does uh, the person sort of finds his or her calling and to find your calling that's a topic we're going to get into uh, in in a couple of minutes from now but before that uh, let's imagine that you're conducting a peak performance workshop out in the wild outdoors and one of your workshop participants asks you john what is the main focus at this point in your life what would you tell them well interesting that you mentioned that we're doing a peak performance workshop out in the wilderness because the main focus of my life now is to take and uh, share if you will mm-hmm. everything i have learned over the years both in the good times and the bad times and and help and reach more people to empower themselves. I, I truly believe with the viral nature of information transfer that we have today, uh, dissemination, that uh, in order to save our species and ultimately save the planet, it's going to take one person at a time. And I do believe that that can spread virally. And, and so that is the main focus of right now is to continue to grow and evolve, to learn more, at, and then to share it with as many people as possible. The more people that live empowered, the more people that live uh, abundantly and joyfully that find their way, uh, the faster I, I think we as a species are going to find the peace and, and spiritual balance that we need in order to stay on the planet. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with what you said that technology does have uh, its advantages. Obviously, it has certain challenges uh, as we uh, advance, uh, you know, uh, as a species, but a lot of advantages, uh, as you mentioned it allows us to distribute our content, our wisdom, knowledge and insights in a way that the audience prefers to listen to. Like some people prefer listening. So they have podcasts. Some people prefer watching a video. So we have quality HD videos through webinars or maybe some people just prefer reading an article and so we have blogs. So I completely agree that a person like you who's dedicated his life to uh, empowering people can now be even more powerful leveraging the use of these beautiful uh, channels of technology. Uh, so thanks a lot for sharing. Oh, my great pleasure. My great pleasure. You know, technology is, can be both a curse and a blessing. It tends to isolate us. And in modern Western culture, as you are and the listeners are so fully aware, we tend to focus, unfortunately, on, on the negative side of life. And I, I do believe it's a cultural phenomenon because the more indigenous and native cultures uh, didn't live that way and don't. And because of technology, that negativity can be spread virally as well. And it can create fear and and anger, and we, you know we see it every day. But if we flip that coin, we can use the same technology to spread love and joy and abundance and and personal empowerment. There's no reason we can't do that, and and that is what you and I are focusing on doing right now. Well, what you just said beautifully transitions into the next question that I was going to ask you. Now, as stated on your website, your practice derives from shamanistic wisdom and traditions in use for more than 7,000 years. Another ancient wisdom that has been there for thousands of years is the knowledge of the energy centers, also known as the chakras. So, what is your definition of the chakras and what is the significance, if any, of the chakras in your practice? Well, my definition of the chakras it goes pretty much along traditional lines. And, of course, there are many different versions and models. But the one that I find is easiest for me to comprehend and to use with clients who are mostly Western thinkers are the traditional seven energy centers or seven chakras uh, originated, I believe, uh, by the ancient Hindus. I may be wrong there. Uh, and the model that I'm most familiar with is, is about 4,000 years old. Uh, now, the reason I find it very useful is, is that in my synthesis process, and of course, if we, if we take the word synthesis, it's about combining ingredients together to create a stronger whole, which is what the whole process is about. I incorporate a lot of the the cutting-edge scientific discoveries in quantum physics and other modern disciplines that are now proving scientifically, using Western scientific rigor, I'll believe it when I see it, the scientists are proving that really the universe and everything in it is nothing more than energy expressed in a multitude of ways. And the chakras are a beautiful, elegant model for helping Western thinkers understand that they are really nothing more than energy. There's a whole chapter in my book that I devote 
to what I call the human energy system or the human energy streams. And again, it's largely metaphorical, but I, I help clients understand how we work in, in this way. I like them to think of themselves as energy machines. They have physical energy, the energy of the body, the vehicle with which their spirit lives. We have emotional energy, which is the energy of our identity. I'm John, you're AJ, or whoever the person is. And then, of course, we have the much more powerful spiritual energy stream. And if we think of ourselves, even though it's really all one, as three separate energy streams, it makes it easier for the Western thinker to digest. And then if we further break it down and say, okay, in your body, uh, physical, emotional, and spiritual streams, we have these seven centers or foci of energy called chakras that have been in use for 4,000 years and, by the way, correlate very well to a lot of the mind-body science that's going on now. It just makes the whole process of understanding and integrating and creating physical, emotional, and spiritual balance easier for the average Western thinker. And as I say, both to my clients and students and in my book, if something's been around for four or five or 6,000 years, there's a reason for it. And the reason is it works. The other last little footnote on that, AJ, is that uh, the latest scientific discoveries in this mind-body dynamic seem to point out that the chakras do in fact exist. So isn't it nice that our ancestors, who knew this intuitively, have now been proven to be correct by what we call modern science. I, I love the, the, that confluence of, of knowledge and wisdom, and that's the whole basis of my synthesis process. So chakras, or chakras, I'm not really quite sure what the pronunciation is, uh, <laughs> play a very important role in, in my practice. So there you go, listeners. The synthesis literally means combining ingredients to create a stronger whole. And as you listened, there are a lot of scientists and researchers who are now proving that the universe, the entire universe, everything around you, the buildings, the cars, all of them are different energies expressed in different ways. Now, I know you sort of hinted towards that, uh, John, a bit earlier, and you've written the book called Synthesis Effect. How exactly do you use the synthesis effect to heal people or to benefit their lives. Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Certainly. Uh, the synthesis effect is, is actually the end result, and that is living your life the way you wish in a joyful, abundant, peaceful, um, uh, creative way. That's the effect of using the process. The process of synthesis is something that sort of evolved over the years. Um, I originally started in the healing arts as a clinical hypnotherapist, and uh, we can talk about that a little bit later. But hypnosis, of course, is a very powerful tool to facilitate behavioral, emotional, and even physical change in the body. And as I began to incorporate more spiritual practices, meditation, and some of the, the ancient models uh, from the shamanic traditions, with the latest discoveries of modern science, in particular quantum physics, and brought them together so that the modern Western thinker, who is very empiricist in the way they think, I will believe it when I see it. That's how we're taught to think in modern Western culture. And when I say mm. Western culture, I don't necessarily mean the United States. I mean any modern technology-driven culture, which is most of the world today. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we are taught to believe empirically. We, we, we want to see things in order to believe it. That's the whole basis of our philosophy and science, as opposed to the more ancient practices, which thought exactly the opposite. They believed in order to see. Uh, they believed in manifesting according to the energy they produced, and of course, or projected. And now, these two models come together uh, using a variety of tools and techniques models and metaphors, to use the physical cognitive Western mind and combine it or integrate it with the more subtle and much more powerful subconscious or spiritually oriented mind in synthesis to create this effect, which of course, I just go back to the, to the beginning, rule number one in my methodology is life is supposed to be fun. Mm -hmm. Our natural state of being is well-being, so the synthesis process uses all the tools at our disposal, and brings the energies together to create that balance. And when you are in balance, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, life becomes a lot of fun. Well, that sounds really beautiful because it seems like you are integrating the Western cognitive-oriented uh, approach and the Eastern, more spiritual uh, mind approach to create a third uh, approach of healing, which is superior, it seems, 
to both of these uh, approaches? Well, I, I would say superior only in that it really it really integrates what we are now knowing. You know, the ironic thing is that as empirical and as rigorous as Western science and philosophy is in in the way they think, Mm -hmm. because people are so oriented in modern culture to only um, believe what has been proven, I just find it lovely and ironic that they are now proving scientifically what the ancient cultures knew intuitively. True, true. Now, going a little deeper, I was going through some of the testimonials on your website and I noticed a trend. One of your patients says, I was amazed by how you made so much information so understandable so fast. Another testimonial reads, thanks, Dr. John, with that very short short meeting, you changed my life completely. So it seems like the hypnotherapy is not only really effective, but it's really fast too. So how does that happen? One of the reasons I like hypnosis uh, so much is because it does act very quickly. Well, first of all, to just dispel some of the myths, because so many people are, are, uh, ha- have huge misconceptions as to what hypnosis is. And by the way, along with the concepts of chakras uh, and spirituality, hypnosis has been in use for over 7,000 years as a healing tool. And the reason it's so, such a powerful tool is that it creates a very open, receptive state of mind. Every normal human being enters a natural state of hypnosis several times every day. Uh, anytime you watch a good film and you feel emotion and you're moved by the film or read a good book or even just daydream, you are actually experiencing what we would call a naturally hypnotic state. But when, when we are in that state of consciousness, and it is consciousness, our consciousness shifts a little bit and it creates a very open, receptive state of mind and it allows us to communicate, if you will, with the subconscious spiritual part of our mind, which is the vast majority of the human mind, about 90% is subconscious or, and, and or spiritual. I, I lump them together. And only about 10% of the mind is the conscious cognitive logical mind. And when we're in that state of open receptivity, we can essentially reteach the subconscious mind new habits, new patterns, new beliefs that supplant or replace the old ones that weren't working so well. The subconscious works very much like a computer. We are programmed, as you mentioned earlier, at a very young age. And our attitudes, our values, our beliefs, our personalities are all very much in place by the time we're about eight years of age. And like any computer, once it's programmed, the subconscious mind will play those programs over and over and over again. Positive or negative doesn't matter to it because it can't tell the difference between good or bad or happy or sad. That's all conscious. So essentially, hypnosis creates a state of mind which allows us to go into the computer and take out the software that's not working, the limiting beliefs, the fears, the negative habits, the unhealthy um, patterns, and replace it with new software that works better. And that's why it's such a powerful tool. And it does, compared to just working with the conscious mind, it does work very quickly uh, in a matter of weeks uh, or months rather than years because it's the most powerful part of the mind. Mm-hmm. So there you go, listeners. During a hypnosis, our consciousness, what it does is it shifts and what results is an open and a more receptive state. So that's what it creates. And as a result, your old beliefs, beliefs that don't really serve you, that might have been created during childhood or a couple of years back, that is replaced with beliefs that serve you. And that's what really creates the the benefit. Exactly. And, you know, we learn all of our habits our values, our beliefs, our personality, all of that is learned. And what we like to say is what is learned can be unlearned if it's not serving us, and then we can reteach the mind new patterns. You know, a great way to think about uh, the subconscious and the conscious mind, because it's, it's so important, is to think about a modern airplane. Uh, the pilots, the human beings that sit in the cockpit, can fly the airplane by themselves. They're like the conscious mind. But every airplane, every modern airplane, has what we call an autopilot. And with technology, literally, a a modern jet, uh, you can push a button, drive it to the runway, push a button, and it will take off, fly to its destination, land itself, and all you have to do is drive it to the gate. That's how powerful the autopilot is. Our subconscious mind is like an autopilot, 
and most of the time it's running the show, if you will. Now, the conscious mind, the pilot, can override the autopilot anytime he wants to. He can turn it off, or she can turn off the autopilot and fly the airplane by hand. But at altitude, at 35 or 37,000 feet, the air is very thin and the planes are big, and it's exhausting to do that for any length of time. It just wears you out. And the conscious mind is very much like that. So consciously, we can override our negative patterns, our, our unhealthy or unwanted habits. We can use willpower to override the subconscious computer or, or the patterns that aren't working. But it's exhausting. And if you think that it's only 10% of the power of the mind versus 90%, it's like a tug of war. The 90% always wins. And so, again, going back to hypnosis, it's simply a tool, a state of consciousness that allows us to reprogram the autopilot so that it works the way we want it to. And, and what it leverages, AJ, really quickly is a, a phenomenon uh, that many people probably have heard of. Uh, it's called neuroplasticity. Our brain, the processor of the mind, has the ability to rewire itself. And that's essentially what we do. Now, I love the analogy that you shared, and I agree that hypnosis is a powerful tool that helps us program our subconscious. And as you mentioned earlier, there is definitely some misconception with hypnosis. Uh, I recall there's a video on your website uh, where you are actually helping a girl overcome certain challenges uh, that she has. It seems like she has a lot of talent in terms of creating humor and, and, and making people laugh and, and changing people's lives. But there is something that's inhibiting that power. But the thing is, her friends suggest hypnosis for her. And the first reaction that I, uh, I recall was, I'm all right. I don't, I don't need hypnosis. There's nothing wrong with me. So how does a person know when to go for hypnosis and, and you know, who, who is hypnosis for exactly? Who can it benefit, in other words? Well, you know, again, hypnosis is only a small part of a bigger whole. But I would say that a person knows when to go for help, whether it's a hypnotherapist or some other form of healing, because there, there is no silver bullet. There's no magic formula. Um, my synthesis process tends to work very well for many, many people because it incorporates a variety of tools and methods, hypnosis being one of them. But a person knows when to reach out for help when they when they know their life isn't working the way they want it to. The way I like to describe it when I do seminars or even with my private clients is, is you feel broken. You just feel, it, you just know it's not right. And, and the reason is that our natural state of being is well-being. We learn uh, the negativity. We learn the fears. We learn the limiting beliefs that, that hold us back. We learn the negative and unhealthy habits all of those patterns, if you will, are learned. And a person knows it's time to reach out when they finally say, you know what, this is not the way it's supposed to be. There's something in me that's screaming at me, hey, this isn't the way life is supposed to be. Um, that's when they know it's time. And, and then, of course, you know, everybody has to find their own way. But, and, and it's important to mention that almost all of us to make these fundamental changes in our life, to rediscover our power, to live a life of fun, if you will, that's pleasurable, that we really enjoy, almost all of us do need assistance, and that is just because of the way the human mind is, is functions. We have a natural resistance to change. It is in our DNA as a species. We will cling to the familiar with tenacity, even when the familiar is painful. And to get through that, that resistance we usually need help. And that's another reason hypnosis and its very close cousin meditation are so powerful as tools because they help us bypass the natural resistance in the mind and teach the subconscious mind, which is essentially a three-year-old child that will believe anything, uh, new patterns, habits, uh, behaviors, and beliefs that will be empowering. We, I, the way I like to describe it is we, we learn to rediscover our authentic selves. Because if you look at young, very young people, babies and, and toddlers, None of them are born with all these limiting beliefs or these lack of self-esteem or self-confidence. They don't care what people think about them. They're not worried about any of that. They are delightful, joyful, uh, unconditionally loving little beings. And then, unfortunately, they learn all the negativity, which is so rampant in modern culture. And that's how we get screwed up. So what we do, essentially, is help them get back to that state of well-being, which is our natural state of being. Mm -hmm. Now, the synthesis effect seems really powerful. Uh, but for the people who are new to this concept, new to this idea, for people who are 
sort of on the fence right now about hypnosis is there any study uh, or a research that you could talk about in this space that validates some of the concepts and ideas that we're discussing over here oh my goodness there it, it all anyone has to do is is go to the modern library which is google and and google you know the history of hypnosis and and clinical trials that that support its efficacy it's it's the easy this way for me to, to answer that question uh, quickly and succinctly is to say that hypnosis has been used for 7,000 years as a tool for healing, change, and transformation. It is a natural state of consciousness that helps you get your mind working the way you want it to rather than the way uh, you think you're stuck with. Uh, here's a great example. Uh, you go to a film, a really good movie, and it completely entrances you. And for those two hours, you are having an experience. You are feeling real emotions. You are feeling sadness. You are feeling fear or joy or whatever the movie suggests you feel. And then after the two hours is up, the lights come on, the screen goes dark, you come out of that hypnotic state, and you go about your merry way. Well, when we use hypnosis in a clinical setting, we bring that same state of consciousness to a much more profound level, much more profound. And the, the feelings, the, the, the emotions um, with reinforcement become the, the new norm, the new programming. So anything that's been around for 7,000 years and is still used today only survives that long for a reason. And the reason is that it's effective. Uh, the same with meditation, and I know we're going to talk about that because you're going to ask me something about it later. I don't know when, but, you know, uh, it's the same thing. If something has been around that long and used that long, uh, there, there's always a reason for it. But anybody that wants to find out the, 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 you know, the science behind hypnosis, just simply Google uh, hypnosis or go to my website and, and look at or the appendices of my book and there's tons and tons and tons of information because it's been studied for, for a long time. Um, hypnosis was approved as uh, a medical tool uh, by the American Medical Association in 1958 and uh, it is now, now starting to be taught in medical schools because it is such a powerful tool in modern medicine. No, that's wonderful that you mentioned that even though when you go for a movie, it's not a real life event. But when you see that character on the screen, when you witness that action, that adventure, the feeling that is within you, that is real. And that's, I think, how the entire industry uh, survives. It's dependent on this uh, concept that when you go to the movies, you feel as if you, you are a part of the action, part of the movie. Uh, uh, now, John, you're a clinical hypnotherapist and a personal empowerment specialist. How did you actually get into this practice? What were you doing before this? Well, that's a very interesting question, and it's, it's one that's not really easy to answer, but I can say this. I've always had a natural curiosity about human behavior and people and the mind-body dynamic, and I can remember uh, you know, from my earliest days, I've, I, I, and I've always been very curious about spirituality, although when I was younger, I was afraid of it because I didn't know what, what it really meant. But it was a natural curiosity, and through uh, in, in my uh, formal education, um, high school and college, I was very into uh, the sciences, psychology and, and uh, philosophy and physiology and biology and whatnot. And as I mentioned earlier, I've had a variety of careers. I was a professional aviator for both the uh, United States military and then later uh, the airlines. And um, I was an instructor as a, as a pilot. I was an instructor in the military. I was an instructor in the airlines. And then I got into uh, film and television and gravitated toward uh, training uh, with uh, using media, and I was always curious about the whole mind-body-human dynamic. And then I had sort of a, an epiphany of my own, because uh, in, in my younger days, I was not always a happy camper. My life wasn't always fun. And through rediscovering my authenticity and embracing my spirituality and really learning what it's like to feel that living life as fun feeling, um, I began to get more and more curious, and then there was just this confluence of energy. Uh, I reached a crossroads in my career, and, uh, and then I decided that I was going to go back to school and, and uh, practice this. And the reason I chose hypnotherapy is because it, it allowed me to do it quickly. Um, I didn't have 10 years to devote to a PhD in psychology and become a psychotherapist. The, the hypnotherapy school I went to was one year of intensive study, but it allowed me to actually graduate and make a living in, in, in a pretty quick way because I was, I was well into my 40s when this happened. So that's how it started. And then from there, everything else has just sort of you know evolved. 
you mentioned that you were initially in military then you moved on to television and training using media but you were always connected to the mind body space and spirituality yes. and you had that in depth curiosity and it sort of reminds me of the quote that steve jobs had once shared that you can't connect the dots looking forward but you can only connect the dots looking backward right. so you have to trust you got to have that faith and in your case that strong curiosity that the dots will somehow connect so thanks a lot for sharing uh now based on what you shared in your customer testimonials you've changed the lives of people around the globe so what is your most inspiring client or success story till date well i've i've had the privilege and honor of working with thousands of people over the years and and i knew you were going to ask me this question and, and it's been really uh, you know which one is the one and and quite frankly it, it's hard to pick one, but I can share th- a couple of really quick ones. One of the ones that sticks out in my mind, and it was years ago, it was a young woman who, who came in to see me who was having trouble uh, with getting into a committed relationship. She just, for some reason, didn't feel she could trust men. And every time she got in a relationship, even if it was a really good guy who treated her well with respect and dignity as women should be treated, for whatever reason, it would come to a point where she would get scared and just break it off. And she was entering her 30s and afraid that she would never be able to commit to a marriage or be a mom. And and those are things she really wanted. And she couldn't figure out or or understand how or why she got this way. But that's just what she was. And within, I think it was about four or five sessions, we had uncovered the cause uh, in her mind and completely transformed her energy. And today, I can say that uh, it's been about eight years now. She is happily married with three children and they, they, they just have a, a beautiful relationship. So that's one that always uh, stands out in my mind. And I, I had another person that was not too long ago uh, crippled with, with chronic uh, low-level, low-grade anxiety, but so much so that uh, she could barely leave the house and afraid of driving, afraid of getting on airplanes and really, really not living very powerfully. And again, within about four or five sessions, uh, we turned that around, and now she's she's thriving. And um, I, by the way, anxiety and chronic stress is, is probably 85% of what I see these days uh, in the clinic. It, it's, it seems like it's epidemic in our society, and I do believe it's a, it's a cultural phenomenon. And so to see people like that who are you know really feeling broken, as I mentioned before, you feel broken. You know this isn't the way it's supposed to be, but you don't know how to get out of it, and you feel like you're stuck with it. To see these people transform in such a short period of time, or there was another young man who had never eaten a green vegetable, and he was in his 20s and very severely uh, overweight because he had been eating poor food for his entire life. And only two sessions later, he had changed his eating habits and um, went away. You know, he said, I, I feel good. And I kind of forgot about him. And then a year later, I got a knock on the door of my office and I went to the waiting room. And there's this really good looking young guy. And he said, Dr. John, do you remember me? And I said, um, no, I'm sorry, I don't. He, and he introduced himself. And it was the same kid. He had lost 120 pounds after two sessions. He had shifted his energies enough to, to start changing his patterns and his habits, lost 120 pounds, and, went, and he never told his mom and dad. When they first saw him drive up in his car, they said, who's driving our son's car? It was their son. They didn't even recognize him. So those are three that stand out, and I, and I could give you hundreds of others, but you know that's the, that's the beauty of, of this work is to watch people transform themselves. And just to make one correction as to what you said, AJ, I don't change their lives. They change their lives. I just help them. So you mentioned that a person who has a challenge right now might be experiencing chronic stress or anxiety or they feel broken and although they try to you know uh, eliminate that challenge they just cannot find a solution and they just can't figure out what is it that is preventing them from uh, from growing so to speak uh, but because they're able to tap into their subconscious through your your assistance maybe your your uh, ability to facilitate that change they experience a shift in their energy and then they are able to change but they do it as you pointed out by themselves because of the inherent uh, potential that they have within themselves am i correct absolutely correct and that brings up a couple of quotes because well first of all as i tell everybody um, and I was taught this early on in my my career when I was first learning. I was studying with a Native American shaman 
one of the most famous, uh, not in person, but uh, remotely. And one of the things that he constantly said was that any healer is simply what he called a hollow bones, because the Native Americans are very metaphorical in their description. What he meant was you are just a conduit of energy, of healing energy. And so every morning when I think of what I do, I, I uh, ask for that guidance to just be pure as a conduit for the healing and for the energy. But uh, the Buddha said, uh, the mind is everything and what you think you become. And of course, your mind is where you process all this energy. And Galileo, who many people are familiar with, this is sort of the East and West coming together, and this is the basis of synthesis. Galileo Galilei, who most people are familiar with, a famous, famous middle-aged astronomer, said, you cannot teach a man anything. You can only help him find it within himself. And... That's what I like my clients to know. You already have what you need to create whatever life you want within yourself. My job, and anybody who does this kind of work, our job is simply to help you tap into that energy, to be a conduit through which you find your inner resources. And if I could say anything to the listeners out there, I promise you it may not feel that way, but you have everything you need to create the life of your dreams. You probably need a little help, but you have it in you. Well, thanks a lot for sharing. And with that, we have now reached the health tip round, during which our guests share one health tip that can be implemented immediately. So what is it one tip that you can share with our audience? I would say that based on my experience, the one tip, quick tip I could share uh, with your audience is to find a way to get into the natural outdoors as much as possible. Spend time in nature. Uh, there's a very popular trend now. They call it forest bathing, where you actually go out into the wilderness. And of course, it's been clinically proven because we have to test everything in modern culture. But it's been clinically proven that spending time in the outdoors, in natural settings, in wilderness, lowers stress, it lowers blood pressure, it can help lower cholesterol levels, it creates a wonderful feeling of ease. And the reason for that is that is our home. That is where we come from, whether we like it or not. And again, I don't mean to keep getting down on modern culture, but we are so imbalanced energetically in our modern Western culture. When we spend time in our natural home, because we are part of the planet, we are part of nature, whether we like it or not, uh, it's very, very beneficial. It's cleansing because it helps restore energetic balance. It helps you tap into the natural strength that we all have, which I call our spirit. And so if I gave one piece of advice that would be that would be half of it get yourself into wilderness and spend time out there and unplug from all the nonsense that we are bombarded with every single day you will feel better i promise now albert einstein once said it's not that i'm so smart it's just that i stay with problems longer and this is going to be the theme for the next portion of our show which is all about a major challenge so john tell us about a time when you faced a major challenge or barrier Tell us about that situation you were in, and then how did you approach that particular challenge? Well, that's, that's an interesting point, because it, it was the, the moment that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that I rediscovered myself. I, as many people do, I grew up in a, in a broken home. My parents were divorced when I was young. My father was an alcoholic, and as a result, I was a very insecure and very intense, compulsive, type A young man, uh, and... Those insecurities really haunted me. While on the outside, I looked very successful. I was a successful student. I was very successful in my careers. Uh, I married a very nice young woman. Uh, as it turned out, we were not meant for one another, and we were in a very painful relationship. And all of that came together at one critical juncture when I decided I had to uh, end the marriage uh, and and uh, it was really a moment when I had to come to terms with the fact that I had been living in such a, a state of insecurity. Uh, I was addicted to tobacco at the time. Uh, I, I was drinking too much. I mean, it was, I was a mess. I was not a happy camper. And there was the, a moment in time when I had to say, okay, it's, it's now or never. So I, I was brave enough finally to end the marriage that had fed on one another's insecurities for 14, 14 long years and began. It was that feeling of knowing you're broken, as I mentioned before, and that's when I embraced spirituality. That's when I really began to study what we really are, not what society tells us we are, and that was my breakthrough. 
which led eventually, it took several more years, not too many, but it led eventually to uh, doing what I do today for a living. I, and I know that this is what I was meant to do. Uh, but it's just facing that moment where you say, you know what? There's got to be more to life than this, and I'm going to reach out and get the help. Another reason I gravitated toward hypnosis and hypnotherapy is that I worked with a hypnotherapist during those days, and she was a brilliant practitioner and helped me in my process to, to transcend my insecurities, to, uh, to become balanced, to learn how to love, honor, and respect myself again. Because that's really what it, what, where it starts. That's where personal growth and transformation begins. We, we are born fully in love with ourselves unconditionally. And then unfortunately it gets beaten out of us. And we have to rediscover that. And once we do, once we start treating ourselves that way, then everything begins to flow beautifully. So that was my moment. It was many years ago now, uh, about 25 years ago. And I will be forever grateful for it. So in retrospect, what is it one major life lesson you would want our listeners to take away from your story? Well, the major life lesson, AJ, that I would say is to acknowledge that your life isn't working well if it's not. Learn to love, honor, and respect yourself, to believe in yourself because you do have it in you. And then go get the help in whatever form uh, will work for you that you need that will allow you to live your life your way, going back to where we started in Christopher Morley. That is the only success, to live your life in your way. And when you do, life is very, very fun. That's rule number one in the McGrail Method. Well, thanks a lot for sharing this story with us. I know it's never easy to go back to a moment of challenge, but with your story as an example, I'm sure our listeners will know that challenges are only temporary. And with that, we are now moving on to the next portion of our show. And this round is about finding your life's true calling. As Alan Cohen once said that every choice before you represents the universe, inviting you to remember who you are and what you want. So my question to you, John, is have you found your calling? And if yes, what is your calling? Well, I can say very, very definitely I have found my calling and it, it took a little longer than I perhaps would have liked. But as you mentioned, it was, it was a, a product of all the experiences, all the careers, all the activities I'd ever done. When I came to that crossroads, and I'll, I'll describe it briefly, I was a, an executive for a media company at the time and um, uh, making a very nice salary and living very comfortably and miserable because I wasn't really happy. And I got laid off. This was during the dot-com crash back in the early 2000s. I got laid off from that job, and that's when I had to decide what to do. And of course, I could, could have easily, in, in Los Angeles, with the media out here, I could easily have gotten another position as a VP of something in another production company. But that's when I said, you know what? what I, I, I took a moment to say, what has always been the most rewarding parts of all the jobs I've ever had in all the different industries, whether it was flying or, or television and film or corporate training? What was the one thing that has always been the most satisfying? And I realized that it was teaching and coaching and mentoring. And I realized that that's really what I love to do, which is what triggered my going to school. And uh, my calling is to help others do what I did, to help them learn to live their life the way they want it to work, to empower them in whatever way that means, whether it's a physical empowerment, an emotional empowerment, spiritual empowerment, it usually is a combination of all three. And the beauty of what I do today is that I work with people from all walks of life, from all socioeconomic backgrounds, and from virtually every profession you can think of, including young people. As, as, as young as seven, my, old, my youngest client is seven, my oldest is 84. And to, to, to be able to help them live this way uh, is, is my calling. And yes, I found it. And, and um, it was like when I did, it was like I put on a pair of shoes that had been made specifically for me. They were beautifully soft and comfortable, and they fit my feet exactly. And that's how life has pretty much been ever since, walking in these perfectly built, customized shoes. The journey is effortless and delightfully fun. Mm -hmm. So two things that you mentioned really resonated with me. You mentioned earlier that you're calling. I mean, you are living your calling right now, but it took a little longer than you would have liked. And then you mentioned that 
at one point you took a moment and you asked yourself what has been my most rewarding and satisfying experience in all of these years so there you go listeners you don't have to leave your job or something right now but take a moment and ask yourself this very question is what you're doing is it rewarding is it satisfying because just by thinking that thought will set forth in motion a revolution a revolution that will move you towards finding your calling you might not find it right now might not find it in a year from now but you will get it because as you mentioned john it might take a little longer but you will surely find your calling so based on your story you are definitely leaving your calling and you are helping others do so more importantly so if you could share with us what is that one moment that one moment that you can share beyond which you were confident that this is what you were meant to do so let's go back in time and let's hear that story well right after i had been laid off and i was trying to figure out what to do for the next chapter of my life and i started doing this reflective thinking that i just mentioned i opened up the los angeles times one morning and i don't remember what section i was reading but i noticed an ad in the los angeles times and the ad was for uh, the Hypnosis Motivation Institute, which is a, a school of hypnotherapy in Los Angeles. It was the first federally accredited hypnotherapy college in the country. There are, there are still only a few. And I remembered that the lady that I had worked with, uh, who had helped me so much in my transition, had gone to that school. And then I kind of put two and two together. I said, you know, I've always been curious about this. I've practiced self-hypnosis. I'm, I'm practicing spirituality on a regular basis. Here's a way for me to go to school, and within a year, I can be doing what I really love to do the most. I can be helping people live a more empowered life. And it, when I saw that ad, I immediately wrote down the phone number, called them, went the next day, interviewed, and, and found out more about the program, and enrolled that day. And that was it. And that was, I have not worked a day since. That was about 15 years ago. And I like to tell people, I have not worked a day in my life since then, because what I do now is joyful. I cannot wait to get to the office in the morning. I can't wait for seminars. I can't wait to do shows like yours. This is just such a delight for me. There's no effort involved. And that's when you know you're living your calling. Well, that is indeed inspiring. You spoke about the Hypnosis Motivation Institute, and then you realized that the lady that you were working with, uh, that you had studied from, had been to the same center and then you put two and two together i love that phrase you put two and two together and it sort of brings back the same quote that i had shared a while earlier that every choice before you represents the universe inviting you to remember who you are and what you want and as you mentioned once you made that choice in that direction then everything else what you are doing even today does not seem like a load does not seem like work it seems like genuine joy genuine curiosity and a genuine effort to help others so thanks a lot for sharing oh my great pleasure <laughs> <laughs> and with that we've reached the final round which is called the wisdom round just like in a rapid fire round i will ask you a series of questions and you will respond with bite-sized doses of wisdom sound like a plan sure awesome so what is the best advice you have ever received believe in order to see believe in order to see don't wait to see in order to believe and trust yourself. Mm -hmm. Is there a personal habit that you can share with our audience that contributes to your well-being? Yes. Every day, in some form or another, I spend some quiet time where with no distractions and no disturbances, I do some meditating. And as much as possible, I do that meditation when I can in nature. And that daily habit uh, keeps me in balance. And when I'm out of balance, it brings me back to balance. And there is nothing that I have found, nor has mankind found, that can uh, replace a daily, consistent meditative practice for long-term well-being, physically, emotionally, and spiritual balance. That's how you get it. So, John, what is your morning ritual like? Could you describe the first two hours of your day? Sure. Uh, I, I wake up usually, hopefully, after a restful sleep. Uh, and um, the first thing I do is a, a quick five-minute meditative prayer, if you will, for the day. Uh, I give thanks for another day of life, and I ask the my spirit guides and guardian spirits for, for guidance in, in my work to keep me uh, a pure vessel uh, for that conduit of energy of healing and transformation. And um, 
reassert uh, uh, my, my physical health as well. And then I get up and usually do a workout of about uh, 40 minutes to an hour, depending on the day. Uh, do different physical activities uh, to keep my body fit. I have a, a breakfast. Uh, I look at the paper for a few moments, and then um, I come to the office, answer emails, take phone calls, and then begin my day with, with clients. So by the time the first two hours are up, I'm usually here seeing my first client. So what is it one book that has made a significant impact on your life? This is one of the hardest questions you have asked me all morning because there are so, <laughs> I've read hundreds and there are so many. And of course, you know, um, if I could sound immodest, I would say my book, but that's really not fair. I, I think that if I could recommend one book that I truly love because of its simplicity and its elegance and its pure message would be The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. It's just a beautiful book and uh, extremely well written and so simple so elegant if we just take these four simple tenets and commit to living by them it's amazing how well life can can flow that would be the one so action takers links to the resources are in the show notes and john it was awesome having you here at my seven chakras today before you go tell us one thing that you're grateful for today how can we find you online and then we'll say goodbye well I will tell you the one thing I am grateful for today is being here right now with you and having the opportunity to share a little bit about what I've learned and to hopefully inspire uh, some of the people out there, hopefully all of them, to, to, to find their power, to find their fun. I am very, very grateful for that and the fact that I'm, I'm here to look at the sun and, and, and feel the, the joy of life. And as far as finding me, um, very easily, uh, you can Google Dr. John McGrail, Dr. John McGrail, my name, and tons and tons of information will come up. But my websites are uh, www.drjohnmcgrail.com, my name, J-O-H-N-M-C-G-R-A-I-L.com. And if you're more interested in the hypnotherapy part of my practice, there is a website that is dedicated to that. It's called Hypnotherapy Los Angeles, all one word, hypnotherapylosangeles.com. And uh, if anyone wants to contact me personally, my phone numbers are published on my websites. Uh, my email address is on my website. You can email me or call me. I personally always respond. Uh, I don't have my people do that. I respond personally to any requests or questions. And uh, if anybody's interested in working with me, of course, uh, we can certainly discuss that too. As I mentioned, I've got clients all over the world. And, you know, on the website, there are some, you know, do-it-yourself uh, programs that can be purchased for, for some of the more common things people want to get over. But um, I, I, I really am grateful for that, and I welcome those uh, inquiries. If anyone's curious and want to know more about this, uh, please, please reach out to me. You will hear from me personally. And, of course, my book, The Synthesis Effect, is available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. The reviews have been terrific, and uh, I certainly invite people to take a look because it's designed to help you live a more powerful life. Well, there you go, action takers. If you liked the content that we discussed about today, then head on over to drjohnmagrel.com and also go to Amazon because what we discuss right now is just the tip of the iceberg and there's so much more knowledge and information that you can get if you go to the website or if you uh, purchase your own book on Amazon. So John, thanks for coming on our show today, sharing those amazing thoughts and ideas and taking our listeners one step closer to a human revolution. Well, thank you so very much for having me. I am, I am very appreciative and uh, send all, all the audience and you blessings. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to my S-E-V-E-N chakras.com Download your free gift Get inspired and take action. Transform your life today.